You're listening to the Velocity Church Podcast. We hope this message encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. All right, we're starting a new series today called The Art of Being Unordinary. The Art of Being Unordinary. It's a pretty fitting, I think it's a pretty fitting series to go into a new year. Go ahead and turn to the person you're sitting next to and say, because ordinary is not working. <laughs> ordinary doesn't work. Okay, and when I, say, when I say ordinary, I mean like, when I say ordinary, I mean like the patterns or the systems, the culture that we live in, the world that we live in. You know, Scripture says that we're in this world, but we're not of this world. And I think so many people hear that passage and take it drastically one way or another. Like, have y'all ever heard the term the holy bunker of Christianity? Like, like you've got this crew of people that are like, of Christians that are like, you know what? I, I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. And so what, what we do is we take ourselves out of the thing actually God wants us in. There's a difference. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. Another way you can say it is also like, we're in this culture, but we're not of the culture. Meaning, like, I'm in the world. Like, I'm called to be in the world. So what we're not called to do is, you know, get in our holy bunkers and say, I'm going to hold the fort down until Jesus comes home with all like-minded people, and I'm not going to put myself. No, church, we're called to go into the world. Right? It's the Great Commission. We're called to go into the world, preach the gospel to all nations. So we're supposed to very much be in the world, but not of the world. In the culture not of the culture. Meaning that the world doesn't have to influence me, but I can, as a follower of Jesus, I can have the authority and the power to influence the world that I'm in, the culture that I'm in, the sphere of influence, whatever that is that I walk in, I have the ability to influence that. I'm not going to be indoctrinated by the culture. I'm not going to let the world influence me. I'm going to influence the world I live in. So we're very much in it, but we're not of it. If you brought your Bibles, uh, turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. This is kind of a foundational scripture, I think, for this series we're in. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Y'all have heard this scripture. If you've been in our church, we, we, we've preached on this. We've talked about this quite a bit. It says, do not be conformed to this world. Another, another translation says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. To not conform to the pattern of the world, to not walk necessarily in step in the same pattern. See, sometimes what we want you to know in this series is sometimes you're going to have to go against the grain. Sometimes you're going to have to stand out a little bit. We don't conform to the patterns of this world. What happens when you pattern the world is we end up expecting kingdom results by using earthly principles. So it's like, I, I want the victory, God, we're, you know, I want the victory, God, but I'm fighting it on an earthly level. And I'm trying to use earthly patterns and structures and systems to do something that God says, you can only accomplish this through me and through my word. So we're not to conform to the world, and we can't expect those kinds of results when we pattern ourselves off of earthly principles. So 
And today I want to talk about unordinary habits. Unordinary habits, because I believe that it's the small disciplines that we put in place now that are going to determine where we're headed, where we're going in the future. Unordinary habits. Does anybody do, uh, anybody do New Year's resolutions? Anybody, 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 some, some? Oh, okay, yeah, I know you, I know you do. I saw you on Facebook putting out your, like, New Year, New Me, I saw. Um, and New Year's resolutions are great. Like, I think that they, um, you know, it provides an opportunity to set goals. So go, New Year, it's like, okay, we're going to start over, we're going to start fresh. New Year's resolutions, like, what are we going to do? And goals are great. As a matter of fact, we need to set goals for our life. It, goals are biblical, did you know that? Scripture says without vision, if there's a lack of vision, that the people perish. And so goals are important. You're like, well, you're talking kind of like, it's like business, right? That's for like, no, it's for your family. Like a lack of vision, people perish. We need to have vision for our family. Where's our family going in 2022? Where are our kids going in 2022? How are we, how are we bringing as a family unit and the men, right? How are we leading our family into this next year? Seeking God. And what, what are you calling me to do, God, in this year? What are you calling our family to do? Where are you calling us to go? The, the thing about New Year's resolutions, though, is I, I looked up. There's this study that, that, was, that was done and, and would you believe that over 92% of New Year's resolutions stop by Valentine's Day? <laughs> I mean, would you believe that, right? I mean, right? I'll, I'll admit, like, I've done that a few times. <laughs> Maybe more than a few times. Like, come on. 92%. I guess the question is why? Like, why if I lined up 100 people, only 8 of them would see it through to the other side? Why? Don't we follow through on this? Because ordinary doesn't work. It's ordinary. It's the ordinary thing to not be consistent. It's the ordinary thing to not follow through, to not have the drive to the end. I like what Paul says in Scripture, and you might be able to relate to this. Paul goes, um, he says, for some reason, like the things that I want to do, I don't. And the things that I don't want to do, I do. Can any of y'all relate to that? Some of you are like, that's how my diet's going right now. <laughs> like, like, I don't want the chocolate, but uh, I really want the broccoli. Like, I just want the bro- but it just doesn't work that way all the time. God, why doesn't that work that way? <laughs> so goals are important. I think goals in and of themselves are important, and they're biblical. But here's the key, and I want you to hear me on this. This is what it sets apart, and this is, this is biblical here. It's just as important, if not equally, that we put systems in place to achieve those goals. Like, I think a lot of us have commonality in some of the goals that we want for our life. Like, I know where I want to go, God, and I know, Lord, where you're calling me. I can see the calling you've put on my life, and I know that's, that's from point A to point B, and I know what you're calling us into. I know what, I just don't know how to get there. And it's so important. I think what separates the eight from the 92 is the systems and the disciplines put in place. Spiritual disciplines put in place. When we're talking, you know, in church, we're talking our relationship with God. Spiritual disciplines that we put in place. I want to get closer to God. So many people are like, you know, I don't know why I just can't get closer to God. Well, do you ever spend time with him outside of Sunday? I don't know why I can't get closer to God. Spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines. This is what God has laid on my heart. I was out and I was running the other day, and I told you I'm trying to do that more. 
I was running, and as I'm running, I'm like, you know, I'm going to sprint home. And I start running, I'm trucking along and everything. I'm just, I'm, I'm running. And I just felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. And this, you know, just put a word on me. It doesn't happen all the time. It's like something like it. I just felt this word come, come to my mind, and, and it was consistency, consistency, consistency. Can you stay in the flow of consistency? Or are you going to fall in the ordinary flow of inconsistency? Consistency. The flow of consistency. What is great about living in the flow of consistency? You can turn to Galatians 6. I want to show you this in Scripture. Galatians 6, 9. This is so good. Man, this is so good. It says, let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Do not grow weary in doing good. I want to tell that to somebody here today who you feel like, man, I've been doing the consistent thing. I've been doing the right thing. I've been doing the, you know, I've been disciplined. Don't grow weary and tired of doing that. Even when it goes unnoticed, because I'm going to tell you something, it doesn't go unnoticed by our God. It does not go unnoticed by God. And in due season, you will reap. That is a promise. You will reap a harvest in due season if we don't give up. I've heard it said like this before. If we don't quit, we win. You hear that? If we don't quit, we win. Don't stop the consistency and don't stop the small habits that you've created to get closer to God because it's in those small details that God appreciates so much and honors. He honors the little things. The flow of consistency. Somebody say, the flow of consistency. Flow of consistency. We have to get in the flow of consistency. I heard this story the other day, actually. And um, this is back in the 50s. There was this football team. And this football team had a winning record, right? They were a great program, football program. They had won so many games, this and that. And um, all of a sudden, you know, as years went on, the program kind of fell off, and they stopped winning as many games. They just weren't, you know, weren't winning. <clears throat> well, there's this, this man that had played on the winning team in the past, right? He had played on the team that, you know, had won. And, um, and he had done well for himself, right? Well, he came back to his school that he had so much pride about. Like, we were a winning team. This weekend, y'all are playing the rivals. And this is what he tells the entire team. And I'm not kidding. I mean, this is, this is crazy. You're going to go, what? He tells the whole football team, including the coaching staff and all, if you can win against the rivals, I'm going to buy everybody a Ford pickup truck on the team. I mean, how much more motivation do you need to go out there and win, right? They're, like, pumped about this. They're like on fire. They're like, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to go out and we're going to win, right? We're going we're gonna to win. We're going to win. We're going to win. So what does the team do? They stay out all night practicing, turning the lights on, right? They're out on the field. They're hitting each other. They're like, coach, we got to do more conditioning, right? It's only Monday. we got to get ready for Friday. Like, don't tell us to stop now. They're like in the locker room watching film and studying their opponent, and they're just getting ready, and they're like, we're going to go out and we're going to win, and we're all going to get trucks. It's going to be awesome. And then they get to game day. They're ready to play. They get blown out, 38 to 0. Not, I mean, not even, not even a field goal? Like, come on, man, like 38 to 0? And you would probably go, they had all the motivation in the world to win that one football game. But here's the lesson in it all. 
The team tried to prepare and accomplish in one week what they should have been doing the entire season. Like, we're going we're gonna to do this, right? And I've got all this motivation. I'm ready to go. And they tried to, right? I'm going to do this. We're going to stay late. We're going to do everything we can. Because we live in a world of instant gratification. Like, I want it now. <laughs> right? Like, we pull, we, I mean, this, this comes out, you know, we're driving through, um, you know, the, the, to get food, to get fast food. Pretty soon, we're just going to be, I remember this, pretty soon, we're just going to be yelling a number. Two. A two. All right, I'll supersize it. It's a little Jim Gaffigan for you. Uh, some of you are like, what? Like, we want, we live in this world, it's like instant gratification. Like, I want it, and I want it now. Like, I see where you're taking me, God. And I want to get there, but I want it now. What if I told you that God is just as concerned in the steps to get there? If not more concerned about you embracing the process it takes to get to where he wants you to go. It's in the grind and in the steps. It's in the grind. It's in the everyday when you don't feel like doing it. Not just when you, you know... I guess I'll pray because, like, I've binge-watched everything on Netflix. And I've watched, you know, every episode of Yellowstone, and I'm caught up. And so I guess, like, I'll spend time. No. It's like this consistent grind, the spiritual discipline. It doesn't have to be something huge. But you'd be amazed what big thing God can do through a small habit created. A small habit headed in the direction he wants to take you in. The flow of consistency, if we don't give up, we win. Do not grow weary in being consistent in the things you're doing. To the fathers who, who are there for your kids, men who are pouring in your kids' lives, don't grow weary in doing that. And the little things and the details, when you tuck them in at night and you tell them you love them and you, you, know, you tell them about, they ask questions to you about Jesus, and you're, don't grow weary in doing those things. Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary in gifting your wives and loving on your wives, right, as Christ loved the church. I think sometimes that the reason we break out of the flow of consistency is because we underestimate its power. Like, we, we underestimate the power of consistency. But I can prove to you that you appreciate consistency. Any of y'all have a, um, like, that one gas station that's by your house that you go to? It's like... That's the gas station. We stop, we pump gas, we get the snacks, we get the, all, all that kind of stuff, right? You may have that, you know what I'm talking about. That one gas station or that one convenience store, whatever it is. And you pull up and you're going to pump gas. And the one day you pull up, you're not expecting it. And the little yellow covers are on all the pumps, out of order, out of order. And you're like, what happened? Like, is the world coming to an end? Like, what's going on? This never happened. Because you, you appreciate the consistency of knowing I can do that. I can, I can go there, right? Or maybe, um, <clears throat> maybe you get paid by direct deposit. And there's that one week where there's a glitch in the system. And you look back at your account and you're like, my money never came in. <laughs> well, that's not okay. What am I going to do? What am I going to do about it? And then you make the call and they're like, oh, there's a little issue with it. We got it fixed. And then they fix it. And, you know, you go on. You appreciate the consistency. I think it's the same for us. I think sometimes we, we might undervalue or underestimate the power of consistency in our own lives. And spiritually speaking, like walking out our lives, the power of living in consistency and in the flow of consistency. So what's the key to living all of this out? 
Turn to uh, Psalm 37:23. This is such a good passage here. Psalm 37:23. The key to living this out. Psalm 37:23. It says, "The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way." Another translation says. He delights in each step they take. Notice that key word, step. Steps. Steps. What you see all throughout the Bible is that God leads in steps. Step after step after step. But God, we want to get to that side. Like, I want that now. But God's like, no, I want you to take this step. Ordered by who? Ordered by the Lord. So what I do is I take a step when God orders it. I don't take a step when fear orders it. And I don't take a step when culture orders it. And I don't take a step when the world and the systems of our world order it. I take a step when the Lord orders it. That's what we do. Step when the Lord orders it. I don't step unless God orders it, and I always step when he does. I always step when he does. And this is, I'm just, let me tell you, I always step when he orders it. If that's our commitment, just be ready to step into some things. Because there's this, there's this false narrative in the church that God only leads in comfort. <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you ask like anybody in the Bible, God always leads in comfort. Oh, I have a piece about it, so it must be. Not to say God doesn't lead in peace. He does. But God might lead you into some things that are uncomfortable to you. So if we're, if we're going to be consistent in stepping in to, the, to what God is calling us to step into, we better be ready to step into some uncomfortable situations. What about Peter when he steps out of the boat? His eyes were fixed on Jesus. And he was willing to step into the unknown and step and stand on water. What happened in that moment, right? Peter stood on water, something supernatural, right? God was in control of that whole deal. But it took him stepping out and taking a step into something that God is calling him into. We've got to be careful, though, church, because what I think we can do is we want to be wise. And yes, we're to be wise. And we're to ask the Spirit of God to lead us in wisdom. Wise as a serpent. Lead us in wisdom. Lead us in wisdom. But be careful because Satan will disguise things in wisdom that God is actually calling you into to try to prevent you from taking that step. Oh, yeah, it's, oh, it's the wise thing to not do that. No, God's calling you into that, actually. It's just a little uncomfortable. It just doesn't fit my flesh. Ooh, this is different, God. This is uncomfortable. So the key is discerning the voice of God and the Holy Spirit. This is why we want to be connected with God so that we can discern his voice. I'm stepping, God, only into what you call me into. This is my prayer for 2022. I step in what you call me into, and I step into everything you're calling me into. Any open doors, open the doors, Lord. Open the doors that you have for me that you want to step in. Close the doors that you don't want and make it clear to me. But I'm going to be connected to you, and I'm going to step into everything you're calling me into. Because what can happen if we're led in fear, 
and our steps are ordered by the world, and we get into this pattern, we're like, I'm just going this way. We end up off course, and we end up so far in the wrong direction. If you believe that God has a plan and a purpose for your life, believe that God has a, has a plan, right, and a hope and a future for your life, then I want to step when he orders it. And I want him to lead in my life. And I want him to lead in the direction he wants me to go. He, the, the second part of that passage that I love is, he says, steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delights in each step. He delights in his way. What, what's so great about that and what I love about that is, is God is proud of even the small steps. He delights in his way. God's proud of you making those disciplines and saying, I'm going to start, you know, you're like, oh, it's just a small thing. Like, I just decided to start waking up 30 minutes earlier a day and, uh, you know, go for a walk, you know, before, um, before work. And I just talk to God. And you might think that's small, but the consistency of that out over time of a major impact. And God honors that. He honors the small things. He honors, so don't, don't despise those things. Don't grow weary of doing good. Like, walk in that. Walk in that. I want to read uh, Daniel, a uh, story of, you know, Daniel chapter 6. When you all hear the story of Daniel, more than likely, your first mind goes to what? Daniel in the, the lion's den, right? Daniel in the lion's den. So what kind of led up to that? I think this is a great picture here in the life of Daniel of spiritual discipline and consistency. Daniel chapter 6 Verse 3, what you need to know is that Daniel was among over 120 of the most prominent leaders in the kingdom. Okay, Daniel was like, he, 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 the scripture says that he was excellent in spirit. And he was being promoted because the king saw something in Daniel. Like I said, scripture says he, had, he was excellent in spirit. We don't know exactly what that meant for Daniel, what that quality might be. Um, but we know that he was like, a, he was risen to the top amongst all his, you know, peers. And so Daniel chapter 6, verse 3, this is what it says. Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So what happens when you're promoted in life? So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel. What? Concerning the kingdom. But they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. So he's like, what, what do they do right away, right? Well, that person's getting promoted, so let's see what kind of dirt I can, you know, pick up on them. It's just the, that's the nature of people. That's actually something deep in, like, identity and not understanding who they are. That's an insecurity in those people. So what happens? They find no fault in him, but what are we going to do because we don't want this to happen, so... What they go about doing is they try to trick the king, and they're, you know, they actually being, end up being successful in it. Trick the king to say, anybody who prays to their God above you, we throw in the lion's den. And they convince him in like a kind of, you know, deceitful way to go through with this, and he signs a decree. Well, Daniel is a, you know, Daniel is a, a godly man, right? And so what happens, it picks up in, uh, in verse 10, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Now, I want you to hear this next verse right here. This is key in all of this. 
Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Three times a day, Daniel prays, give thanks to his God, just as he had done before. I read that, and it's like, he didn't wait for a crisis to go to God. Like, he had done this. This was a part of Daniel's DNA. It's important enough for me to pray three times a day. It's important enough for me to discipline myself. This causes spirit of excellence in Daniel. This just shows Daniel's character and how he lived. An excellent spirit. You say, oh, three times a day. Okay, that's good for Daniel. That's good for Daniel. But it it seems like a small thing. Hear me on this. What is Daniel doing when he does that? He's teaching himself, I'm disciplined. I do this even when I don't feel like it. Even when I don't feel like praying, right? Even when I I, I feel like doing something, I take the time to pray because it's important to me. One of my spiritual disciplines, man, and I was drilled this as a kid, and you're going to go, well, of course, you're a pastor's kid. Like, duh. You're going to think this. But, you know, one of my spiritual disciplines was growing up, my, my parents, they just drilled this into my head. Like, we go to church. I don't care if we're out of town. We're going to find a church even if we're out of town. Because we go to church. Small thing, right? Small thing. But it's a spiritual discipline that we've chose to be consistent in. Because it's important to us. And, and it's important to us. And the things that we make important, right? The th- it's about the things that we make important and what we stay consistent in. You know, you're like, well, you're, yeah, of course. You, you're like, you preach at church and you lead worship. Like, you're on the leadership team of Velocity. Of course, it's important to you to go to church. Trust me, I love to smoke a brisket and watch a football game when my favorite team is playing. I love it. Like, it's fun. I enjoy it. And if you think that I feel like getting up every single day, like, like come on now. And all the speakers out here every single day. Just tell you, man, every single Sunday. But you know what has held dear to me? Well, my dad always tells me, don't grow weary in doing good. God honors it. God honors it. Even if nobody sees it, God honors it. God honors it. He honors it. It's a spiritual discipline. Stick with it. Stick with it. So what set Daniel apart? One spiritual discipline. Praying three times a day just as he had done before. And staying consistent. Living in the flow of consistency. So I would say, don't underestimate what big thing God might want to do in your life this year. By one small habit you create. Here's the thing. This one thing I know is whenever you start something new, you have to let go of something old. Because there's a sacrifice that comes with discipline. There's a sacrifice that comes. What is it? Oh, it's, maybe it's sleep a little bit. Maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe it's just TV, right? There maybe, maybe it's, it could be a, a countless number of things, right? There's always sacrifice, though, with discipline. But if I were to tell you that more is happening when you do that, like, I think that when you, for, for the parents, you're like, you know, it's important to take my kids to church. And you're like, oh, it just feels like the thing we do. We just get up and we go. I'm going to tell you something. More things are happening than you realize when you press in. You don't feel like getting up. You say, I'm going to go to church. And you know what? I'm going to take my kids with me. And your kids see you doing that. And then you stand and you say, okay, we're going. Come on, guys. And everybody's fighting in the car all the way there. And you're like, ah, we should just stay at home. But you press in anyways. And you do it. God honors that. And more is happening spiritually than you may realize when you do that. 
This is why back when church was online only, right, we are missing some of that close, connected community. Because I think that we benefit more than we realize when we gather together. I love being online, and I love having church online. And look, it's a way to reach people, and it's an outreach tool. It is. But we want to connect in community, and we want to be close, and we want to be there for each other. I think more happens spiritually when we connect that way, when we're around each other, when we have community, when you press in. Don't stop being consistent in the spiritual disciplines that might be instilled in you from a parent. Or, or, but what I can tell you is this. If you're going to start something, oftentimes you have to let go of something else that we're holding on to because there is some kind of sacrifice. So I just want to end with, with three questions. All right, It's a new year. First question, what is your vision for 2022? What, are you, what, what is God leading you into this year? Have you set aside time to talk to God and then to listen for him to give you direction in this new year? What's your vision for your family? What, what, what is God calling you into this year? Second question, what spiritual discipline do you need to start today? What is it? What habit? What small habit? Do you need to create today that's going to get you closer to your goal, closer to God, spiritual discipline? What, what is it? What habit do you need to start right here and right now? And the third, we just talked about this. What do you need to stop in order to start? Is there anything that you need to, is there anything that you need to let go of to open up time to start that new spiritual discipline? And I believe that if we ask ourselves these questions, man, you know, you might say, oh, just it's just an exercise. No, it's more than that. It's more than that. This is a spiritual discipline. And I'm gonna go through the process of, of thinking through these. I'm gonna ask myself. Right? What, what, where is God calling me to in this, in this new year? Where is God calling us to in 2022? I can tell you, church, I, I am praying, we are praying for our church that God will pour out his blessing on each and every one of you. An abundance, that God would pour out his blessing. This year, you'd be more blessed than any year you've had. Okay, this is, this is a new year. We're stepping into a new season. I, I truly believe that God is doing something new right now in this community, in this, in this town, in Brenham and that God is going to use Velocity Church to push it forward. That's not just the leadership here. That's all the people in this church. God is going to use you in, in, in moving his kingdom forward, advancing his kingdom here on earth. Do you believe that here this morning? Are you with us in that? Okay, amen, amen. Thank you so much. And, man, guys, we're just, I, I'm praying this year is, is your best year yet, man. I really am. And I'm praying that God, um, that, 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 like I said, he would pour out his blessing on you, your family, in this new year. And I'm so thankful you pressed in today and came out and worshiped with us on this 26-degree weather uh, in Texas, in southeast Texas. Hey, would you close your eyes real quick? I want to pray with some of you here this morning. And I want to pray over you, if that's okay. And uh, I also want to give people the opportunity to accept Jesus. We're not streaming here today. We're not streaming live, but this message is going to go out uh, later today. So this is for anybody who's watching this at any time. If you're here in the room and maybe God's just been pressing on your heart, um, maybe the first step for you in this new year is giving your life to Jesus and fully committing like, God, here's my life. Take my life. I, I, want, I want to live for you. I want to be rid of this dead spirit. I want you to make my spirit new again. I want to come alive, Lord. Make all things new in me. And if that's you here this morning, I just want you to pray this out loud with me. I'm going to say this prayer. The Bible says in Romans, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord 
You believe in your heart that he died on the cross. He rose again to eternal life. The Bible says you will be saved. There is no class 101 I have to go to to learn about salvation. If you look at Jesus on the cross, the man next to him just said, Father, will you remember me? Lord, will you remember me? And he said, this day, this day, this day, you will be with me in paradise. This day, there was no class, there was no 101, there's no social club church that he had to go to. It was this day, you will be with me in paradise. That is how quick God can meet you right here and right now. His salvation is here for you. I want to pray this prayer. Pray this out with me. And if the whole church body, if you've prayed this before, if you could pray this with me and all of those who want to accept Christ into their life, let's pray this together. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I've sinned. I know I've fallen short. But today is a new day. I believe that you died on the cross. Three days later, you rose again. Come into my life. Make me new. I repent of my sins. And I turn to you. I will follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, thanks for listening today. Be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and subscribe to the Velocity YouTube channel. To find out about service times, visit us at velocitybrenham.org. We hope to see you soon.